Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today I have Dr. Seema Desai on with me. She is a proud wife and mom of two young children, a dentist, a certified professional coach, speaker, and author of the newly released children's book, connected, discovering your inner guides. So we really launched into her own journey into getting more in touch with herself, getting more clear about what fuels her versus what was really draining her. And so many of us can relate to this as parents, as professionals. She is the daughter of immigrants from India. And so she really talks about some of her own path, her own journey into going into this field that was going to bring her all this happiness and credibility, and it left her feeling really empty. So she took it upon herself to get into yoga, get into life coaching, and then she harnesses all of her own experiences, her own lessons in this book called Connected, which really is good for anybody from, as she says, age 8 to 88. Please enjoy my talk with Seema today. Welcome, Seema. So happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I want to start by reading a little bit from your bio, and because I, I think it's a great launching pad. You wrote, even though I had spent my entire life doing everything I was supposed to do, 
and checking off all the boxes so I could have a good life, in quotes, I felt empty, lacking purpose, and devoid of passion. So let's launch from there because you aren't alone, I'm sure, in that experience of um, doing all kind of the linear track and checking the boxes and then being like, I feel kind of empty. What? Um, tell us about these boxes you were checking and when you were having this sort of epiphany. Um, so the boxes that I had had laid out in front of me were, you know, one set forth for me culturally and, you know, from, a, from my family's, um, by family members, by their friends, you know, and what we see in pop culture and everything else. I grew up, you know, the daughter of Indian blue collar immigrants, the only daughter. And traditionally Indian culture is very patriarchal. Um, so, and, and my dad is kind of of that generation. And so I had all these expectations put on me. Um, you know, you're not, not good enough unless you earn a lot of money and you're not good enough unless you're obedient to your husband and you're not good enough unless your mother-in-law is happy and you have children and, you know, you're a doctor and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so and, and I was, I think, scared, scared of failing, scared of failing my parents, scared of, you know, being taken advantage of. And, um, but yet I was, I allowed myself to be taken advantage of in more ways than one, um, just because I didn't have a sense of who the heck I even was or, or what that meant. And so I remember kind of my answer, I, I earned my bright new shiny doctor title and off I went to work thinking that I had it all figured out. I married my college sweetheart and he was, you know, this good Indian boy who's a good doctor and, you know, comes from a good Indian family. And um, and so I had my husband and I had my title and I thought I was set. And I started working and I thought, oh, I know the reason I'm not happy is because the office is just in a bad part of town. And so I shift to a different office. And then, oh, well, the reason I'm not happy is blah, blah, blah. And oh, it's the patients. Oh, it's the office manager. Oh, it's whatever. And, you know, I thought, oh, I know, I'll go off. And I, I want to have a kid. I totally, genuinely, I did want to be a mom. Um, and so I thought, well, that's why I feel so empty inside. And I wound up, I remember you asked about the moment I kind of, figured it out or whatever the, the defining moment. We were in a cold, drafty apartment. Husband was working all the time as an attending, first year out, studying for boards, never really home. When he was home, he was studying. I had this five-month-old baby and I just didn't want to do it. And I was feeling guilty because I didn't want to do the mom thing. I was tired and I was being told, oh, well, it's just because you know, you're a mom. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Um, and I remember the, the, the backstory of that, I, I'll just for time's sake cut out, but I remember my, my son being five months old and he was crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. And I just couldn't do it anymore. And I thought to myself, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm crying. He's crying. There's no end. Three hours in, we're both still crying. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. And I remember being on the floor of that cold, drafty apartment and just kind of hearing this voice of like, no, 
you're not done. There's more, hold on, hold on. And thank God I did. And I I've somehow found uh, the strength to advocate for myself. And I always tell people yoga saved my life um, because I, I, I found yoga and it first was kind of therapeutic and then it became a passion. And because I allowed myself to open up to that experience, um, you know, I, I credit my son for being the kid who broke me and the kid who who forged me from from nothing to something that I could never imagine I would have been otherwise. Oh my gosh, I feel like I have tears in my eyes. A, there's so much there that so many women can relate to. This, um, it's a crown of sorts that's been placed on us as the matriarch, as the person who's also supposed to take care of everything, and yet also the the added um, modern day pressure of of being more than a mom, having a career, and it's. You know, it used to be, I remember in the 80s, um, there was this kind of idea of being a super mom. And and I think we've all realized that that is not possible to be really excellent at all things. And that's the pressure you were feeling. And it's so interesting you had that sensation, all the sensorial memories of that, you know, the cold and the the surroundings and the crying and the, the, the you know, that what that was doing to your nervous system. And I think probably every mom can relate to that or any single parent or a, or a dad who's the primary caregiver can relate to that. But I really commend you because I imagine that not only having the pressures of just being a woman, but adding on to that the cultural um, you know, residue of your parents' expectations, that was probably a lot to break through and forge a different path. So tell us a little bit about this path that you started. So you you discovered yoga and what did it do for you right away? So at first it was just an excuse to get out of the house. Um, you know, I, I, when I told my husband, I was like, something's wrong with me. He denied it because it was easier, you know? And so that was kind of our compromise. And, and I, when I say this, I always want to caveat. Um, he was doing the best he could with what he had. Um, parents raised me with, with doing the best with what they could too. So I, you know, lots of grace for, for everybody who was just trying to do their best. And we, here we are landing in this sticky situation. Um, but so our compromise was maybe you just needed to get out of the house. So for an hour, I think two or three times a week, we somehow managed to, you know, to let me have that time. Um, and so it was interesting. I actually start, it was, it was a hot yoga class and camel pose, a strasana was one that I just couldn't do. I, and, you know, not surprisingly now, but, but in the moment then I was just like, I can't do it. I cannot get myself. And yes, there was part, spinal flexibility was part of it, but, um, you know, all, all the depression and, you know, opening up that chakra and everything else. And, you know, it was just interesting because now it's one of my favorite asanas. Um, and it's just so funny to see kind of that transition. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think just what it did for you is it, it, um, it shook you up to release some things that you probably needed to and give you clarity on things that, um, that, yeah, that there's hope, you know, that there's hope beyond those feelings that, that you're, you're experiencing. And I think that happens a lot is like when we're in these downwards, 
moments or downward spirals, that's all we can feel. And right. I think when we get into our body and, and, and just feel something a little bit different, it is that ray of hope that I don't have to be stuck in this feeling that is so burdensome and heavy. Now, how did you connect your being a dentist with doing yoga, becoming a yoga teacher, and et cetera? What, what went from there, those initial classes in yoga? Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I just took went to class, right? Like, and, and um, it was interesting because then it sort of started to, all, all the other limbs of yoga were kind of, they weren't really there for me. Um, the idea of, you know, non-judgment and, you know, all the other limbs basically. Um, but I remember kind of when I did finally go back to work, cause I stayed at home cause that's what good moms do is they stay at home. And, and, and so I, I did. And if you're, you know, <laughs> when I finally did go back to work, there was just so much, right? You talked about building connection with your body and kind of what's going on. Um, and I would kind of feel myself just sort of like, ow, you know, that kind of hurt. Dentistry, nobody tells you, but it's very physically taxing. Very, yes. very, very, very physically taxing. And if you don't know how to take care of yourself, um, it's it's going to eat you alive. <laughs> so um, I just started, you know, I started becoming the dentist that dropped into yoga poses during surgeries. I would just completely scrubbed in, you know, like have my gloves on, drop my, I mean, put place my instruments carefully on the tray. And with the patient there, you know, I would find a, a break and be like, listen, my neck is really hurting. I'm going to take, you know, and I would kind of drop into these um, sterile triangle poses or pyramid poses or warriors or whatever. And as soon as I would just kind of do that little self-care, um, I would, it was able to kind of return to, okay, what do you need patient? What, how can I make you comfortable? Because now the pain in my neck has kind of subsided and I can think clearly and the procedure started to go better. I started to lead with my ego less, you know, that whole idea of like, I'm the doctor and I know everything and you're just the patient. And all of that narrative started to shift. And so um, when I started bringing those other limbs of yoga, subconsciously, I didn't know I was doing it, into my clinical practice, that's when the magic really started to happen. And I started feeling... Like, okay, I, I actually do have more to give. Oh my gosh, I actually enjoy, you know, seeing patients and doing the procedures and all of those things. Um, and, and I was able to come home and have still more to give to my husband and to my kids. And I was able to find time for myself. And so things just got easier once I started employing these practices. Now, can you give an example besides the, you know, doing a pose of how you brought the philosophical tenets, wove that into your daily life and into your professional life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that whole idea of, um, of curiosity, right. Um, just, just opening your ears and to, to learn to come from a place of, we're not different we have commonality. You have wisdom within you. I, I mean, you know, the whole idea of you are the master and the student, you know, we're all the master and the student. That was something that was really, especially, you know, when you have a three-year-old that is, you know, complaining because you gave them the red cup instead of the blue cup, 
it's difficult in that moment to think to yourself or even consider that they too are the master, right? But the ability to be like, okay, hold on. It, it's not silly. It's not stupid. Oh, they just want to be heard. Hmm. They just want mommy to feel like I get it, right? Like they want, they need that at age three. They need that at age 13. I would assume I don't have a 13 year old yet, but my I have 11... a 20 year old. Yes, I can yeah. tell you. And an, and an almost and a 17 year old. So yes, they, they need it. In fact, in a different way and in, in almost more, even right? though they're very independent and capable, they always need that sense of, of being heard and being seen. Yeah, we all need that. Mm, of so course. it was really life-changing to be able to develop empathy, curiosity, willingness to explore, you know, that it, it's, it's difficult to shift. Uh, yeah, and I know. guess in that you're, you're also <laughs> um, being curious about your own tendencies and habits and behaviors that have sometimes become reflexive and that aren't necessarily the most empathetic or compassionate was there anything that you noticed in your own behaviors that slowly changed with that kind of rising consciousness? Um, I mean, so much, right? The the idea that I, I'm not your thought, I'm not my thoughts, right? I'm not like I the idea that I'm co-creating the situation, that was so liberating for me. Um, the idea that your thoughts create your words, create your, you know, actions, create your, you know, all of these things that, that lead to ultimately the co-creation of your life. You're directly responsible for that just by creating awareness for the thoughts and the sensations that come up as a result of them. So liberating, mm. so liberating. And I thought to myself, why aren't they teaching us this when we become doctors? This is what makes a good doctor, a great doctor. This is what makes a regular mom. We're all capable of being amazing, but we just don't have that skill set. And our patients deserve it. Our kids deserve it. Our spouses deserve it. But more than anything, we ourselves deserve to lead this way. We're just not taught how. I love that. So you are using that and you're coaching people. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you took that leap? I mean, I... I'm also in the modern medical model in a lot of ways, and it is not set up for that. It is set up for a, you listen to your doctor, your PT, your dentist, whatever, and we don't have any, you know, as the, um, as the patient, as the client, we don't really have any of the power. We're just listening and doing what we're told, and that's how it's set up. And it's like, that is not a good system at all because we only know we know experience and we know um, academic you know, knowledge, but the person who's in front of us has a lot more knowledge about their situation and their feelings. And, and so, like you said, it has to be a co-creation. It has to be a collaboration, but I, we're not certainly not set up to do that when you go and visit a doctor and you're given 10 minutes to kind of try and figure out all your needs, all your medical needs. And it's, um, yeah. So, you're helping other other professionals. Yeah. I feel like kind of our fellow moms in medicine um, are the ones that need the most support and the most reluctant to get it because we, you know, guilt ourselves about spending the time, spending the money or whatever it may be. And, um, but that's why I love supporting 
these, these female, you know, right now, most of my clients are female physicians because I guess that's just kind of who, who speaks or whatever the, the, the female doctor. Um, and it's so cool to see how they, once they begin to source themselves and recognize what limiting beliefs that they've kind of had put on them or they put on them by themselves, once they start to put those down and explore, and then, you know, a, a few weeks later, or a few months later, you know, whatever the, the time frame is to have them come back and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping better. And like, I, we, all of these things, right? Like, oh, this is how my residence came and I got voted top doc and I got this and I'm, you know, being groomed for a leadership position or they offered me a promotion or, you know, whatever it may be. It, it's so wonderful, so fulfilling. I imagine that a lot of um, those early connections for anyone, it's so, it's such a relief to know actually you're not alone. So whenever people are experiencing this, this being a mom and being a professional. And I think there's, even though we might read about that there are other people that have these struggles in those moments, there's a lot of feeling like this is me. I'm, I, you know, and to actually just realize like, this is a human experience that everybody experiences to some degree. I think that must be so comforting just to start off that way. Absolutely. Um, that, that is something that we're missing as humans. And then of course, with each profession, I, I think it's still true in, in every uh, profession, but since we're talking about medicine, that's a lot of what, um, what these mama dots are missing is connection and the ability to admit like, I am human. Um, and, you know, we talk about, I, I agree with you, the system is broken. I feel like it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't serve the patient. Um, however, and it's it's very easy to slip into that lower energy level of blaming the system. But I want to encourage everyone out there. Yes, the system has room for improvement, but don't give away your power. You can show up differently. Um, you know, you, we can just we, we it's a skill. It's not easy to advocate for yourself and to learn to explore those those thoughts and words and life habits that we've picked up. But don't give away your power. You as an individual are immensely, immensely capable of creating amazing things. Yes, I think that's such a great point because, um, yes, there are, there are needed. We have needs. Like I had to go to an endocrinologist on my thyroid. Um, I have an autoimmune disease in my family. And, and this uh, physician was saying, okay, we're going to do two choices. You take this antithyroid medicine for a year, but then it loses uses its loses its efficacy and it possibly damages your liver. Or we can, um, you know, do radiation and then we just give you a thyroid supplement. And I thought those are the only two choices. <laughs> but if I had not had that like advocacy, because I basically was like, nah, neither one of those seem like a good idea to me. I want to go another route. And he's like, uh, what? But it is. It's like we have to come in there with you know, not like the Google knowledge, but just knowledge of, uh, or at least inquiry, like, is there another way? Are there other options? Because those don't really feel right for me. So I, I appreciate your bringing that in, that it is a two-way street that, yes, the system is still providing us great care. It's just that we have to participate in it to really maximize, you know, um, our own benefits. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to talk about your book now. Um, It's called Connected, which is such Mm -hmm. a great title. But what, anybody that writes a book, I always want to know, what inspired you to write the book? (laughs) Well, not surprisingly, like many moms would say, my kids. Um, So I, I kind of touched on, you know, my own what the heck is going on story, like the whole idea of looking up one day and being like, wait, I did everything right. And yet I'm really unhappy. Um, What happened? And so I did this deep dive and, you know, yes, yoga was a part of it. And then I actually hired a life coach um, to help me kind of, and I was learning these lessons that the life coach was, you know, the ideas and concepts that I do talk about in the book. Um, And they were so grabbing and they were so simple not easy to actually practice quote unquote perfectly, but they were simple and easy to understand. Um, and they were, they were so powerful that I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna tell my kids about them. See what happens, right? Maybe this might help because I still felt like I was not the mom I knew I could be, right? Kind of just angry all the time. You know, it was just not, it wasn't a, a terrible situation, but I knew it could be better. And it, what a dramatic difference. What a dramatic difference for them to eventually, you know, it didn't take that long for them to start being more empathetic with each other or, you know, it, it just the whole family dynamic shifted um, in unimaginable, the most beautiful ways. And I thought, why they're capable? And this was right as the pandemic was hitting. Okay. So I had then, let's see, my daughter was, I think, five about to be six. Um, and then my son was eight. So I thought if they can figure it out, why aren't we, what? Like, I, I'm sure I could have started sooner. This was, this is amazing. And um, at the time I, and I really kind of was having this identity crisis of like, do I don't really want to be a dentist anymore, but I feel like, you know, I don't know, like what all the, all the, lack of clarity that I had. And um, the the publisher actually approached me because I had been doing some yoga inspired posts on Instagram. And they were like, hey, we want you to write a book. And I was like, ah, I know what I want to write about. And so I literally meditated. I remember this clearly. I was sitting at my dining table. I think it was like June of the, so just a few months into the pandemic. I'm not a huge, I'm a new meditator relatively. At that point, it was really new. And I, I, sat there for five minutes, took some breaths, meditated. And the first, the entire first section of the book that you, that you read, that's pretty much what I wrote down in like an old used spiral. I just kind of hand wrote it out in like 45 minutes. Hmm. Um, And that was the birth of the book. Now, can you give us some examples of what you started implementing with your children that, that helped you see, wow, this is really relevant for anyone? Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier recognizing your own, your own self-destructive patterns. Um, so in, so in the book, I talk about the guides and the guards, the guards are, you know, essentially that any, anytime you're in essentially a lower energy emotion, like anger or frustration or guilt or embarrassment, or, you know, so on and so forth, just working to create that awareness for myself and then saying, ah, this is just one way to look at the situation, right? What 
are other ways I could see this? What else might be going on here? Um, learning that for myself. And then once I got a little bit comfortable doing that, that internally, I would tell the kids, ah, I'm feeling right now my guards talking. And I explained what that meant, right? And I was like, so that means I need a time in to talk to my guard and figure out why they're talking and just kind of modeling that, right? And it would just, now it's called a time, at my house, it's called a time in ticket. Um, and nobody is above getting a time in ticket. You just, if it's dad or mom or brother or sister, and we see that those guards are talking, it's, we have that phrase. and. And the agreement is we stop and we either come together, have a hug or something, or we just step away, do what, what we need to do to kind of recenter and then try again. Hmm. I love that. I love that because it, yeah, like you're seeing, you're teaching children at such a young age, this idea of feeling a feeling, but not necessarily reacting to it, but really becoming more aware of why you might be feeling that way. Right. And that's such a um, ingredient for resilience that we all need, but especially kids having that at their age, it's, it's just going to benefit them greatly. Mm -hmm. So what else do you have in the book? Um, is this made mostly for children or is it made for any age? If you're eight or 80, I think there's something in here for you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me, um, I mean, it does, it does look like a kid's book. And I wrote it in a way that's, it's meant to be accessible for kids. But let's face it, we're all just kids in larger form walking around. And many of us are unhealed. And so, and even those of us that are healed, we still have a lot of healing left to do. And so the book, I think, is um, helpful just to kind of provide maybe some reframes or insights or just some tools and tips to kind of create differently. And how do you think it's helped you with your own kind of background and history of being um, the daughter, the only daughter of immigrants from India who had these certain kind of ideas and expectations? How, how have you used these tools to either better understand or have sympathy or even have a conversation with your parents about it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mentioned earlier holding space for, you know, like we, we have these boxes shoved on our list and just the whole idea of learning and realizing like, oh my gosh, perspective, right? I, in the, in the book, I talk about, um, there's a, a tool called put on your perspective goggles and think about a time where things were difficult and it had a certain outcome that you maybe didn't want. And when, and when we go back and we reflect on what that is and, you know, what was that about and what would I have wanted to do differently? That the ability to empathize and see something from somebody else's perspective, um, so huge. Huge. Right? Yeah. So just that's been so key in allowing myself to forgive the fear-based boxes that my parents at the time seemed to shove onto my list. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult, like how difficult must it be for you to leave your entire family, come here with no money, you have no college degree, um, 
and and land in a country where the culture is foreign. And I mean, this was the 80s. So this whole idea, like there's an Indian store every direction within five miles of my house now. Um, that was not the case back in the day. Um, and I, I grew up in a small town in Texas. I was ostracized for being Hindu, for being, you know, my hair smelled funny and you know, my mom sounded funny and, you know, all of these things. And um, just to, to have compassion for mm-hmm. all that they went through for me, they did it for me and no one else. They didn't do it for themselves. Yeah. Wow. I think that's so important to have for our parents. Like you said, they, um, they had the skills that they had at that time. And I think, like you said, to just be able to hold that grace and space for them, whether they change or not, that's not that, you know, that's going to be on them, but that we aren't trying to change them, that we're just trying to accept um, from that different lens of appreciation. I love that. So what is next in store for you? What is your, now that you've written a book, are you, do you want to go on tour? Do you want to do, um, write more books? What is your, what is your vision now? I want this book to make an impact on a larger scale. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a good book. I think it's a great book. And I think that people that read it have all said kind of similar things. Oh my gosh, I wish I'd had this as a kid or, oh, this has made life with my, you know, 10 year old so much easier or whatever it may be. And I, I just, I can't help but wonder what life would be like for our children and for the future if we could teach them these skills of befriending all of them, not just the parts of, of life that they're good at. Mm-hmm. I want this book to make an impact. I want to amplify it. Um, you know, a book tour would be amazing. Amazing. I would love that. Um, and I wanted to, I want to continue to to make an impact, you know, with with coaching as well and speaking as well. So um all of these things, one of the one of the things that I that I spend a lot of philanthropic uh, time and effort on is creating learning equality in underserved children, uh, in underserved populations through an organization called Pratham. Um, They work, they started in India and now we're expanding globally and education is kind of, it's, it's why I'm able to be here talking to you today. And it's, you know, it's a human right. It's a basic human right. And I believe that we should all have it. And I believe that the lessons that are in my book are part of our basic human rights to know. Mm. Oh, I love that. Well, everyone, make sure you check out Connected. It'll be in the show notes for sure. Thank you, Seema, for taking time to share your um, history, your passions, your struggles, and ultimately this path to creating this wonderful book of um, connection and getting in touch with our emotions and how to best Um, embrace them or challenge them to be our better selves. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your allowance of time and space. And thank you to all the listeners out there who have made time for themselves to hear my message. So thank you so much. Yes. Amen to that. And for everybody who's listening, as always, I'm pulling for you.